0: Of B Movie Chat. We are here today to mourn the loss of a dear friend, a friend most of us have known for our entire lives, who's been there through both the good times and the bad. I'm talking, of course, about television, more specifically, cable television. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. The once seemingly unstoppable entertainment conglomeration has finally been challenged by this tenacious contender known as the Internet. Each year, more and more people are choosing not to sign up for cable, but instead choosing to invest in faster internet connection. As the quality of television continues to decline due to things such as poor writing, reality TV, and the increase in censorship and political correctness, streaming sites such as Netflix and Hulu have become the preferred method of entertainment. Advancements in technology have also helped elevate independent streaming sites such as YouTube to the point of surpassing the viewerships of many higher budget television shows. The news is no exception. Rather than relying on a handful of cable news networks that, that are bought out by big corporations, there are now hundreds of news sites and small independent news channels to choose from. In the future, technology will continue to advance. And independent media will continue to rise and challenge cable and other big companies, ultimately leading to a new age of independent media. Or will it? Perhaps I've been too quick to declare cable dead. Is it possible that television is just temporarily retreating, waiting to strike down the smaller content creators and independent companies? What will the future hold of media? And what are the positives and negatives of the expansion of viewing viewing options Joining this chat is YouTuber and host of the news podcast, Beauty in the Beta, as well as Bigfoot Enthusiast, Matt Matt Christensen. Matt, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining. So I wanted to start by asking a question that was, I believe, originally raised by the great philosopher known as Don Lemon, and that is, (laughs) do you even know what fake news is? I thought
1: you were going to say Socrates, Aristotle, Plato... Uh, I did my time with those guys. Haven't done much time with uh, Don Lemon. Uh, do I even know what fake news is? Um, that is a it is a term that's thrown around. I think sometimes unfairly. When I think of fake news, what I think is ideologically driven news that has a weak relationship with the truth. Now that could be it. It, it doesn't often. Um, it's not often necessarily even wrong on the facts, although it often is. What I notice with um, with ideologically driven news is that it omits key facts. Like it omits key information that would change the conclusion for the reader. Uh, so that is us- that's generally the format for me. Um, although there's plenty out there that just fakes things. I think that's where the term came from. You know, During the election cycle, there were websites that legitimately fabricated information. Uh, absolutely 100% fabrication. But I think when we think about fake news as the term applies to like mainstream media outlets or Don Lemon in particular, although I don't, I don't know, is he fake news or isn't he? No. The point is they, they approach the news with an ideological bend. They're not honest about that ideological bend and they give the viewer a skewed perception of what's going on by omitting key information.
0: Oh, yeah, I've definitely noticed that with um, really both um, liberal and conservative sites. It's like, okay, this thing happened. And, you know, they'll give a very simple explanation of stuff. But you look into it, it's like, okay, there was more to the story after all. It kind of reminds me of when, like, a kid, um, like, gets into a fight with another kid and they're like, oh, he pushed me. It's like, okay, well, why did he push you? And they're like, oh, for no reason. Then you look at it and, like, you know, the kid was, you know, beating up the other kids like okay so there was more to it like
1: yeah yeah and uh everything everything is so sensationalized and clickbaity these days and so when you see something like a snippet of information a headline a story summary whatever and you read it and it's like that that sounds too sensational to believe at face value often it is not always but often it is and that's uh that's one thing that i if nothing else you know I, i would hope that our show and, and some of the stuff I'm doing, I, I don't necessarily want people to arrive at a specific idea or a specific conclusion, but I just want people to look at things and, and dig a little deeper and, and think, think about the information that's being presented to them. And, uh, I don't know, and search for all the evidence as opposed to an incomplete set of facts.
0: Definitely. That's one thing. Um, since I, I recently, um, discovered your show. And one of the things I definitely respect a lot is the fact that, you guys will admit that you, when a story got wrong and also you were clearly trying to find the right answer it's just kind of hard sometimes and like you'll call yourselves out on it and it's never like a thing where it's like you know you wanted to fabricate it because you wanted it wanted it to be true it's just that um you know it just happened to be that way and granted, yeah it's like
1: Oh, well, I was going to say it's it's kind of fun. to I mean, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and that's kind of why we're able to do that. Like, it's fun to play the fake news sounder and make fun of ourselves a little bit. And um, I don't know if the mainstream media is at liberty to do that. Like that, I think that's the thing that's so tough about CNN and, and MSNBC and Fox and cable news in general is they take themselves so damn seriously that when the time comes to admit they messed up, it's harder for them to do it because they – present themselves as these perfect professionals all the time we don't do that we present ourselves as uh, a duct tape production as i call it and so i think people give us a little more leeway <laughs> than they give the cable shows
0: yeah i feel like that's like the main key is just kind of like realizing you know it's supposed to be kind of fun you know yeah not not everything is gloom and doom like i noticed with um especially during the election everything was like oh, you know, Trump did this, so you know, it means that obviously he's a white supremacist, or even with Hillary, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, she, you know, she killed all these people, it's like, you, you know, did she really, like, I, I'm i a little skeptical on that one, so and it's like, I I, I in general don't really like politicians, so like, I, I'd i like to believe, well, not even like to believe, but I, I do believe i probably worse of him than I should, but There's a point where it's like, you know, they are still human beings. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) I, one of my favorite, um, I like listening to Ben Shapiro a lot. One of my favorite things that he says is, you know, the great, the great myth of the universe is that people know what they're doing. Uh, and we tend to look at not just politicians, but business leaders or, you know, thought leaders in general, just people we look up to, people who are, who are successful. The great myth is that they are, 100 percent competent people now many of them are many of them are very excellent at their particular craft but um a lot of people have no idea what the hell they're doing including people at the very top of government
0: that's definitely true yeah i i kind of enjoyed listening to ben shapiro i don't agree with everything he says but he at least seems to have like some kind of logic with what he's saying and Yeah, that's one thing i kind of respect about very, that very
1: consistent and um and that's one thing I respect. That's probably the thing I respect the most, no matter who I'm listening to. Even if I disagree with everything you say, if you're consistent in your reasoning and I can understand how you get there, uh, I will. I have a lot of respect for that.
0: Definitely. So if you don't mind me asking, how did you guys first uh, kind of start a news YouTube channel?
1: Well, my path was very strange. So do you mean just like YouTube in general or do you mean the podcast specifically? Or- um
0: kind of youtube in general because i I listen to a lot of your um independent youtube um videos as well which i always enjoy
1: um well thanks um so my youtube is basically a big accident for me but it's my favorite accident of my life probably um i started on youtube if you go way back back on my channel you'll find like a lot of call of duty stuff and i I got on youtube for video games and the reason i got on youtube for video games is because um back you know my later college years and my early professional years i played a and i still do but i don't play as much as i did then but i i used to play a lot of call of duty in in particular but i played video games in general and i'd play call of duty with my friends and um if you've ever played any online shooter you know can i can i use bad words in your show is that okay do i
0: Oh yeah, you know?
1: there's there's no boundary for okay. language on this one. So so uh, so the best one of the best parts, maybe the best part of online shooters, is all the shit talking. You know, like you you're playing and playing a game, the other team you're talking shit in the lobby, and then you know you you got to make them quit. You got to beat them and make them quit and make them rage and all that. So and it was just, I mean, some of the stuff we'd hear on Call of Duty was just outrageously funny. And so it was back in like 2012. I was like, man, I. I really need to figure out a way to just like record some of this. Cause it's the things people say are just so hilarious. And so I started doing that. And um I built like a very small YouTube channel where I would just post briefly brief edited videos of my friends and I playing call of duty and people just raging at us. And I enjoyed doing that, but it was a total like side thing. You know, I did it under a, a an, um, what, what's the term I'm looking for? Like a fake name, you know, I use, I did it under a screen name and, uh, it enjoyed modest success. And then, I, you know, the games kind of got crappier. I stopped doing that as much. And, uh, but I still kind of wanted to do YouTube cause it was fun to create something and have an audience. I just didn't want to quit cause I wasn't doing the games anymore. So somehow I just started talking about, you know, like things going on in the world or I, I've always been a, news or politically interested person um i was a political science major in college i've always just kind of enjoyed that but it wasn't my youtube stuff so i just started talking about stuff over video game footage um which you know people used to do those video game commentaries back in the day but eventually i got the courage to transition just do this on camera and then you know incremental um progress for the channel get a little bit bigger a little bit bigger and then until, up until about last summer when I, when I kind of ran into conflict with my, my day job, my real job, and um, you know, I built at that time a channel of like 20,000 subscriptions, which is really modest, but it's something to build on. And I thought, oh, you know, I mean, I've got something here, and, I, and I, my job I can't do anymore, and I've saved up a little bit of money to sustain myself for a little while. What would happen if I just dove into YouTube and went as me? instead of a screen name and talked about the things I want to talk about and uh, what, what would happen? And the answer is what we have now, which is, you know, I'm, I'm scratching and clawing and I'm not, uh, I haven't hit the big time yet, but you know, I've, I'm really thankful for what I have and, uh, never envisioned this happening. It just sort of did. And, uh, that's a long story for how I how I came to get as far as I have. And it's been really fun. Uh, it's the best, like I said, it's the best thing I've ever done professionally or academically, I enjoy it every day.
0: Very cool. It's definitely weird when I think about it because I remember, well nowadays people make money off YouTube, but I remember when that was a joke, like South Park had a whole thing about like, yeah, I'm a theoretical millionaire and they had all these internet, um like, um these internet like stars and everything, but it's like, now it's an actual thing. And it's like, wow, yeah. things have really changed.
1: Well, it was until the great ad crackdown, uh, but it still is. I mean, you know, uh, viewer funding and stuff is very helpful and they're able to sustain blonde and I and others. And, um, and so that's great. Um, but yeah, no, the, the ad hit has been extreme for us and for everybody else who does this similar, really just YouTubers in general. It doesn't matter if you're controversial or safe.
0: It's such a weird thing because I figured that like I, I was reading a bit about that, like they, YouTube gave, um, like advertisers, the, like the right to, um, put whatever at like to decide what ads were on their videos and then they pulled them, but it doesn't really make much sense to me because you know, um, a dollar is a dollar overall. I mean, you can try to take the high road, but I mean, who are you really helping? I mean, I highly doubt, like, and I, I don't think most people on YouTube are, like, you know, what they call, like, you know, white supremacist or anything. No, I think hell. a lot of that's, like, bullshit. Oh, but yeah. But, like, I, but it's so weird. It's, like, okay, so, you no, know, even if um somebody completely disagrees with the whoever's video's user they are, does that mean they're going to somehow associate, like, this product with them? No, of course they're not.
1: No, I, and even back when I was doing video game stuff, man, like... I, for instance, I hated, are you a gamer at all? you play games at all? Decently, yeah. Okay, so did you ever play Destiny?
0: I love Destiny. So.
1: Oh, okay, so you and I won't get along because I hated Destiny. I hated that game. And I made a couple of videos ripping it when it came out because I hated it. Hated, hated, hated it. But to your point... On several occasions, Destiny ads played on my videos, hating Destiny. Now, does that? Do you think that that Bungie and Destiny, and I mean, I was doing Xbox, so Microsoft order. Do you think they endorsed my message of hating Destiny? No, they just say, okay, we want to put this video game ad on channels associated with video games.
0: Oh yeah, and, I'm a- <laughs> it's that simple. Pretty much, yeah. It's always so weird because, like, I remember um, recently I watched a video by. Um, have you ever heard of a YouTuber named uh, Mr. Mediker? No. He um he's been around for a while. He's kind of a troll. He makes fun of uh, people on Deviant Art and stuff like that, and okay. it's it's some pretty funny stuff. But um he made a video about um I guess there was a thing about um a guy named John Tron who um yeah. I don't know he he had a debate with somebody where. I didn't think what he said was really all that controversial. I don't think he portrayed himself very well, but I I kind of got what he was trying to say. But like this game that was made by um, I guess the guys who made Banjo Kazooie, like they they pulled his voice from it, and like what were you hoping to happen by doing that? Like the people who were complaining weren't going to buy your game in the first place. Right. So it, it's just like I don't think people really think that like well even like um, like a bigger um. A better example would be that whole situation with United Airlines. Like with that, um, that was um, them pulling the guy off the plane and all that. Like, I I looked it up because I was going to. I was thinking of investing in um, stock in that company just for a little while while the stock went down. Because I'm like,
1: yeah, it's not a bad plan.
0: But the problem is it went up way faster than I expected. I'm like, oh. like I, the the window of time was like was like I knew no one was going to care for a while. Like most of the time when you travel, it's like. All right, which ones are cheaper and which ones will get me there in time like oh
1: yeah I, I if it was 10 bucks cheaper to go on united i wouldn't care about that doctor whatever his name dr dow yeah. sorry dr dow i mean i never liked uh, i'm not saying what happened to him is cool like if i was in his position and by by lot united said to me sorry we overbooked you have to get off the flight don't get me wrong i'd be pissed i'd be very annoyed but i would listen to the security professionals i would listen to the airline and I would get off the plane, and I would take it up with their customer service later, and I'd demand some sort of compensation. And if not, then I'd raise a stink about it. I would not play dead and have them drag me off while I scream like a child. That that was absurd. Like he he was not justified either. So Doctor Dow, uh, it amazes me that guy. That guy's a, a physician of some kind. Okay, he's he's yeah. allegedly uh, yeah. mentally fit. I, I can't I would never let that guy treat my body for any condition let me yeah, put not that after, that way
0: not after, not after hearing him scream like that that was yeah. like I mean, I feel bad like getting pulled off a plane, but come on, dude, like don't don't scream like a little girl yeah it was <laughs> it
1: was way out of line, way out of line,
0: oh yeah, it was um, yeah, but that's the thing it's like um, I was always taught like with um police and stuff like that, just go along with it, and then you know if you're in the right, settle it later. Like, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I guess people got to like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what the logic was that for that one. And I don't even think he won anything because um, he couldn't really fight it with the, um with United because it was technically the um airport security. So. Yeah. It, but it was
1: still their decision though. It was still United's decision. Yeah. It's just the, the airport security were the people who removed him forcibly.
0: That's true, yeah. It's very, it's all very complicated. I thought they
1: had a, I thought, I think they had a settlement with him. I thought I read that. Like he got some big monetary settlement. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember. I could probably
0: look it up, but eh. Yeah. It's kind of, at this point, it's kind of old news. It's like, hey, guess what, guys? Remember that story? No. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> well, then there's been like three or four since then. Now, I mean, there's this, there's a weird airline incident almost every week. And I think people, people are, I'm cynical about the airline stuff because all the clips I have seen are people at one level or another being jackasses on planes. And I think that people are trying to create a situation in which they are victimized so that they can uh, cash in basically that that's the way I look at the situation, but maybe I'm being too mean to them or being too cynical.
0: Now I can definitely understand that there was one recently where I guess this um, I think it was this guy was like yelling at some guy wearing a make America great again hat and like (laughs) he got kicked off the plane and then he was complaining about it. Like you, you really don't have the right to do that. Like, I don't think people really understand like where, like that, yes, you have the right of freedom of speech, but you don't have the right to harass somebody. Like I saw one There was
1: like a older woman harassing a, a younger man and she ended up getting kicked off the plane. I don't I can't remember if he was wearing a MAGA hat or if he would just like said something pro Trump generally. I can't remember what the circumstances were exactly. Yeah, and then do you remember when they harassed Ivanka Trump on the plane a few months back too? That there was like a gay couple that harassed Ivanka Trump and tried to and they put themselves on social media expecting to be heroes, but they got ripped, and it's good that they got ripped.
0: Oh, those were like the two stupidest guys on the planet because like the guy texts, my husband is like, he's going after her. You know, it's like, you can't fight this now. You've admitted to fault. Like,
1: yeah, they used some language too. They said something like, I don't, I don't think they said harass, but they did say something like, you're right. Going after her or something weird that was, that clearly stated like we are being aggressive with her.
0: Yeah. It's always weird. Like, well, my dad was a, a police officer in New York City um, back when I was a kid. And he told me um, one story where there's this guy who is um, chasing after he uh, – he's chasing after another guy with a gun. And so they obviously arrest the guy, put him in handcuffs. And they asked the guy who's being chased, like, what was going on? He goes, oh, I, so, I sold him some bad crack and everything. He was real mad <laughs> at him. like, why would you admit that to a cop? Like, what's wrong with you?
1: Well there have been cases of people calling 911 and you know someone stole all my drugs. that those kind of situations. I mean, dumb criminal stories are always really fun.
0: Oh yeah, they never they never catch the smart ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, that's true.
0: So one interesting thing I was thinking about was um, basically we kind of touched on it before, but um, the, the idea of clickbait. Like, what exactly do you think clickbait is? Like, I always hear everybody say, oh, this is clickbait, but to me, it seems clickbait is something that is deliberately, like, trying to be outrageous, and then the story doesn't amount to that. Like, um, yes, there is, there are a bunch of tweets. Like, I, I, I love and hate Twitter at the same time because I, I follow too many people, and too many people follow me. And I mean, I love my followers, so, like, Nobody take that out of context, but I always get stuff like, you know, J.K. Rowling, you know, ends Trump's, like, campaign but with two tweets. I'm like, yeah. really, did she? Like, <laughs> it'll always be, destroys, <laughs> uh,
1: destroys so-and-so. And so I think you're right. Like, obviously, it's, it's exaggerating something to be something that it's not or under-delivering on a sensationalized claim. But... That's kind of in the news context, the worst clickbait, the things, the thing that bothers me the most is where it's just some stupid story and it's, you know, father does this with son, blah, blah, blah. And you won't believe what happens next. God, I hate that. If I see that that phrase, you won't believe what happens next. I'll block or mute anyone associated with that. I can't see that. Or what? What happens next will blow your mind. That kind of you know it's bullshit. You know it's bullshit if it says that. Don't ever click those things
0: like you remember this childhood star check like what she looks like now blow your mind (laughs) i I could just google it or if i cared enough but yeah yeah
1: but but it but it has um i think in the news context it's a little uh it's not as bad but it is kind of annoying i mean I, i i am annoyed when news stories are prefaced with you know some all caps word like shocking colon you know unshocking story um unbelievable colon Totally believable story. Um, yeah. If you if you if you follow what they put out there, and, and not everything is a bombshell, and not everything is breaking, you know, breaking, Trump to speak at White House Rose Garden, give a you know totally uh, run of the mill speech. It's not that's not breaking. That's just that's scheduled.
0: Breaking news: Trump clogged White House toilet. You know. Yeah, yeah. Was it the Russians? <laughs>
1: It's, um, and even on YouTube, you know, I, um, it's always a fine balance because at the end of the day, you know, someone like me is in the business for clicks too, but I want, what I want is for people to be confident in the clicks. You know, I want people to click on it and know that they're going to get something that is consistent with the way it's presented, consistent with the way it's titled. And I'm sure that, you know, comes at a cost too. Like I, you could do the thumbnails. I don't do the big, bright starburst thumbnails with me doing a home alone face. Like, Oh, shocking. I can't believe it because, and, and occasionally I might dress up the title a little bit more if I think that there's something especially interesting in there, but generally I don't do that stuff. Cause um, you know, it does, it does get you clicks maybe temporarily, but if I if I get you to click on it, and then the video is not what you were expecting, are you going to come back? Probably not. Like I want loyal clicks, you know.
0: Exactly. I do kind of feel bad for some of the like um some of the like bigger ones because they're obviously owned by corporations and they um they have to get like x amount of clicks or you know they're yeah. get fired and all that. And that I feel like that's not how news was ever supposed to be. But now we're kind of in the middle of kind of a renaissance of that almost. I mean, that's, I guess, renaissance is kind of a dramatic term for it, but, like, it does seem like things are changing, where it's, like, now almost anybody can be, I don't want to say anybody can be a journalist, but it's becoming more and more vague on what a journalist is, like.
1: Yeah, but that's what's so thrilling, too, is uh, anyone anyone can provide really, anyone can provide breaking news, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, we don't when you when you think of the news uh, you kind of have different people you kind of have on the scene reporters and, you, and then you kind of have like in studio sometimes they're analysts sometimes they're just straight like read off the teleprompter give you the facts type people but to your point people with cell phones on the street are everywhere so they've kind of you get more immediate Often better footage from just random people on the street who post their random to their random YouTube account or their random Twitter account than you do from, you know, local Fox, NBC, ABC, whatever. Um, And then and then in the business of analysis and kind of compiling information and reporting it, I guess the stuff that I do, what's interesting about that is now it's just like it's 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 laissez-faire competition you know what i mean like whoever does it best generally is gonna is gonna rise and i, I that's what's that's what i love about youtube and doing this is uh you know it's it's it really is like your your rise or your fall is is dependent entirely upon your own talent and your own effort level and that's what makes it so much fun you know like you and, and you do a really good job on one video or something man that can rocket you up really quick so uh it's it's thrilling. I, I you know people often say, Well, yeah, but you know anyone can write up news and post it on post it online. Anyone's a reporter. That's a bad thing because we have misinformation. Yeah, but I generally I, I have I have a high level of faith in people too, and uh, people's ability to kind of compare and contrast sources and arrive at the truth ultimately. They might be fooled briefly. but I do think you throw all the information into one big pile. Eventually, the truth has a has a habit of rising to the top and um and that's why i really do love the the current environment
0: oh yeah i definitely agree with that plus i don't really think the internet really changed the like honesty of news all that much. I um I mean you look at like news reports from way back when it's like I mean, you look at stuff from the South and the North. I mean the South calls the Civil War the war of northern attrition and we call it the Civil War. So there's always been a difference in opinion. I just think that now we're seeing it more and we're kind of um you know and I, I think that's a good thing. Like I like seeing um as much as like, um, I don't agree with most conspiracy theories, I love conspiracy theories. I always find them really fun. Like, yeah, it's like what people come up with, like, and some of them are real wacky, but they're they're pretty entertaining. Like, um, and one thing um, that I got to say about, like, the internet, especially YouTube, is I think comment sections are great. Like, there are some, like, news articles I'm reading, like, this is total garbage. And then I'll go to, the, like, in the comment section. I'm like, now this is what I was looking for. Like, yeah. the anarchy and the fighting. It's like, I learned more from that than ha- half the time than the actual news report.
1: Well, and, and you notice it, a lot of news publications are turning their comments off lately.
0: I hate that. I'll almost never read a news report if it does not a comment section because... I, it's I increasingly it in... common. Yeah they're, yeah, they're getting rid of it. Every, um... I found every news, news um... News website with, um... Daily and it tends to do that. Like a daily beast, the daily um, news, the daily um, whatever. It's like they're they almost always shut it off and have these outrageous um stories. I mean, I'm probably overgeneralizing, but it's like if I see daily in the comment, I'm like all right, in the um title, I'm like all right, I'm probably not going to read this one. I'm gonna see if, or like read the first few paragraphs and click off and find something better. But like, I I love the, I feel like that's what um, the internet was made for. It's like kind of the anarchy and kind of the, like, the different opinions. Because everyone always talks about, we need a conversation about this and that. Well, we have those. It's just, they're not always civil. And as long as we're not killing each other or threatening each other, well, I'm fine with, you know, some, like, people not getting along. I mean, do I want people to get along? Of course I do. But if they don't, well, at least maybe I'm learning something.
1: Yeah. And I, um, I believe me, I have been through the YouTube. The YouTube comment section is the one thing that I sort of just let it be. You know, I try to be a very responsive person, in my Twitter mentions and in my emails and all that, um, because I, I do want to keep in touch with my audience. Absolutely. But the YouTube comment section is, is just the wild West. And, um, that's not to say there is not a lot of good stuff posted in there. There is. But the problem is I can't venture in there because I know if I do, I get sucked in. Cause there's always this like, there's going to be a couple comments that are very mean or just very, very wrong. And then you're going to be like, no, no, no this, is, this is bullshit. Let me, let me respond to this and type. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. And then ding, a little notification comes up five minutes later and the guys responding, No, no, no this is what, this is even more bullshit. I got to tell him what's what type. <laughs> da, 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 da. And pretty soon three hours have gone by. And uh, that's the YouTube comment section. So I'm never going to get to the point. I'm confident enough in my work that um, people are more than welcome to disagree with me. Often they do. And they're more than welcome to write why they disagree with me in the comment section. And they often do. And I'm totally fine with that. And I'm confident enough in my work that even if you don't agree with me, that you'll be able to see how I arrive at the conclusions that I do. And that's kind of what I expect for people that I watch and listen to is I might not agree with you, but if if you can show me how you arrive there, that's good enough for me. Um, and and so that's kind of the, to me, to me, not allowing people to respond to your work is, uh, it shows kind of a lack of confidence in your work. So whether that's disabling the comment section, doesn't mean you have to read them, doesn't mean you have to respond to them, but you should at least allow people to say what they want. Or, you know, sometimes on YouTube, a lot of people make response videos. That's a big thing. I do them sometimes. You know, if some someone makes a ridiculous video. You might make a response video to it and cut up parts of theirs and respond to different pieces. Uh, that's very important too. P- people don't make response videos to me very much. Blonde gets way more than I do, and <laughs> and other people I know get way more than I do. So um, I, I, but occasionally people have, and I would encourage them to do that. You know, if people think i'm so wrong about something that they want to respond to it i am i love to see that uh and i think it's good so yeah i just uh i'm skeptical of anybody who refuses to let people respond to their stuff that's not a good sign
0: oh yeah i remember um i think it was your last um show you guys were talking about a youtuber um I think her name was Lacey Green or something like that. I I yeah. never really heard of her before, but she like decided that she would talk to people on the opposite end. And then people started like her, like getting mad about that. I'm like, you're really getting mad about an open conversation. Like at that point you can't claim that you're like, that you're open-minded. Like, oh, but I they mean, do
1: what they do. And what the they do is thing. they, they demonize I don't even like to say that i'm on a side necessarily because i don't like this group think and this group politics and stuff but of course i have my biases you know i i'm uh i'm basically a personal liberty especially free speech kind of guy and i'm going to approach anything from that set of values and that perspective and i'll tell you that's where i come from uh i i don't i'm not going to pretend that i don't have a slant because everybody does uh, and the honest people will tell you that But the way that they arrive at that is they have demonized people like me uh, to the point that they don't think that like they they think we exist outside the scope of what should be acceptable conversation. They'll say, oh, no, no, I'm all about conversation and debate and stuff. But it's kind of there's an Overton window of what's acceptable. There's a sphere of what's acceptable and they're so far outside of it that they don't. They don't uh, merit entry into that sphere. They should be ostracized. They should be um, silenced. They should be put away somewhere else because they're so dangerous to society that we can't legitimize them, that we can't give them a platform, that we can't normalize their views. And they look ridiculous in the end, because if everyone's... I'm not afraid of someone with ridiculous views entering the sphere of public discussion, because if their views are ridiculous, it's pretty easy to make them look ridiculous.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I figure somebody... Definitely. I figure if somebody, like, says something online that's kind of ridiculous, well, you know, you put yourself out there, you know, people... Made jokes about it. Well, you got to have some, have a thick skin, but the whole thing is like, you see these like people protesting things. Like, um, I saw like the whole people protesting the Berkeley thing. Cause I think, um, was it Milo Yiannopoulos was there or something like that. And they like, were like actually like really hurting people. I'm like, but you're, you're hurting somebody while call, calling about peace and equality. I, I'm like, D- do you not understand the irony of that? Like. And I'm not even really a fan of the guy, but, like, he's he was the good guy in that situation, like, undeniably. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's that's where um. So I, I used to be uh, a reliable Democratic voter. I used to be, I voted for Obama twice, and I was proud to do it. Um, and I thought there's no way I would ever, ever in a million years vote for a Republican. And I, that's not to say I'm a Republican now. I'm not. Um, But what I am saying is that side and the Democratic Party is part of that side, the left broadly, where they lost me is this opposition to speech. And it it started with Trump and we've seen it at Berkeley with Mylonopoulos and Ann Coulter and whomever else. And at countless college campuses where they say, uh, no, we're going to no platform. You're not allowed to speak here. Uh, you're not allowed to participate in the debate. That, uh, as soon as they compromised that value, it was like, look, all right, I'm out. I don't care. I don't care. The, to me, there is no more important value. There's no more important issue than the idea that we are all going to have a share in the public debate because that's how good ideas rise. And if we don't protect the system through which good ideas rise, uh, good ideas don't rise then. And we have uh, authoritarian groupthink and we have dogma and we have thought police. I, d- I don't want that. Like, I don't care. To me, like, economics, foreign policy, the role of government generally, um, all of that is secondary to protecting the master value of free speech, in my mind. And as soon as they became hostile with that, they really lost me. They could win me back. That's the interesting thing about the culture war on free speech. Um, you, you often hear, it. it was the church ladies a decade ago saying, oh, don't play GTA. Uh, I don't remember play those days. Sh- Yeah, that's going to make you shoot up the schools. Now it's Anita Sarkeesian and the feminists saying, oh, don't play GTA, that'll make you a sexist and a racist. Okay? Oh, yeah. How about, I'll do what I want and fuck off. How about that?
0: That's how it should be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way, because, like, through most of my life, especially, like, my teenage years to, like, I think by the time I was, like, 21, I was, um, I was pretty far left and like, you know, I like playing video games and stuff like that. And, you know, I was, I never had a problem with things like gay marriage or anything like that. And like, you know, I guess I'm, you know, a liberal. And then when I really saw like a lot of what they were saying, like some of the economic things they were pushing, I'm like, okay, well, is there more to it? Like I've been told like by like all my, a lot of my liberal friends, like, that everyone who believed the other thing was, well, they only did it because they hate children, they hate gay people, yeah, yeah. they hate all these things. Uh, <laughs> then I started reading, like, I started reading uh, Thomas Sowell, I read um, some um, Hayek and things like that, and I got really into that. And, like, I had read the, like, The Communist Manifesto, I read, like, uh, I'm one of the only people I know who, who's read, like, uh, most of um, Das Capital, because almost every communist I know has never actually read it, which is always funny.
1: Yeah. Almost every communist, you know, hasn't read the manifesto either. So yeah, <laughs> at least I'd be willing to bet. Oh, but yeah. Maybe not. I, I, they, they're usually not the, they, they pretend to be very philosophically sound and usually they're not.
0: They're like the champagne, socialists uh, socialist, I guess. So.
1: Yeah. And that's what's interesting is like, um, you know, previously I like you described, like what brought me to the left when my political perspective was forming was issues of personal liberty and like marriage equality was one of them. I thought, oh, that's that's kind of BS that my gay friends can't, can't get married the same way I can or my straight friends are. That's not, that's not cool. And so, you know, issues like that kind of had me on the left and at the time had me thinking, you know, government has a, should have a bigger role in public investment. You know, we should have, government should have a bigger role in education and healthcare and this and that. And, Again, through their hostility to speech, because I've seen them be so wrong on this speech issue over the last couple of years that they're, they're so wrong on that, that they've led me to think like, well, if they're that wrong on this, like what else are they wrong about? And so inadvertently they've pushed me away from the speech issue, but they've also pushed me in a different direction on what the appropriate role of government is and and what the, what appropriate government investment is. And I don't know exactly where I stand, but it's, it's further away from them now than I was before. I don't, it never seems that they have any self-awareness about the damage that they're doing and and how far they're pushing people like me away. And I don't, I don't know that I'll ever go back. It's going to take something miraculous or some kind of radical change for me to go back to the democratic party now.
0: Definitely. It's funny. It's like, I'm, I'm by no means a Republican or anything, but I do notice like a lot of the nutty, like, um, really super like religious ones. Most of them kind of get laughed at in the end. And like, by most even like mainstream, I guess would be considered libertarian people. So it's not like they really, at least nowadays, doesn't seem like they have that much power. I mean, like, you'll listen to them. It's like, oh, okay, well, whatever
1: and that's kind of what i like about the quote unquote right now if you want to think about it that way to me it seems like there's much more room for ideological diversity or diversity of perspective because i know i get along there's there are plenty of conservatives with whom i have a lot of common ground but you know they're they're more religious um they are more traditionalist in like even blonde for example is more traditionalist in like you know, just kind of family and social structures and stuff like that than I am. She's not necessarily religious, but I have plenty of friends who are, uh, you know, much more who are people of faith and and I'm not. Um, But but we have enough common ground and we have enough respect for difference of opinion that that doesn't matter. Like, there's no hostility between us. And I think we both understand why we believe what we believe. Now, in contrast with, with the state of the current left, and again, I hope it goes back. Maybe it will. But y- you know, you will believe the church of their ideology or you will be banished. There's, there's no room for ideological flexibility on the left anymore. You're, you're with them or you're against them. You are part of the team or you're off of it. And uh, I was kicked off long ago, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'll never forget the day where like I um I disagreed with something economically with um socialism. Like, all right, well distribution can't really work from a central power because you know, how can like a few people decide how everything was gonna go? And man were people mad about that. I'm like I, I'm pretty sure I wasn't even mean, but like, well, that's that was is, like
1: you're right. Even if you question, man, like I've had over the last year, I've had some nasty hostile encounters with people in the, specifically the trans community. And I'm not somebody who is anti-trans. This is one of the things we talk about on the show all the time is like, look, live. I am all for living the life that you want to live, provided you don't infringe on my rights. If you want to, if you were born a man, you want to be a woman. I really don't care. All I ask is that you don't infringe upon me, right? Like you don't insist that I use pronouns that I don't think that I think are silly or you don't, you don't try to make me a lot of people get are stuck on the bathroom thing too. I don't care as much about the bathroom thing, but my whole point is like, just don't impose upon me. And, and I'm fine with that. Um, Gosh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? Why was I talking about trannies? I always talk about trannies.
0: It's not about like um people just um getting like un like um all the oh, vitriol from no. like yeah
1: so so a lot of the heat I take or have taken is the thing about the trans stuff is I just have questions about like the science of it because it's so nebulous a lot of the time. Like it's 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 feelings. It's like, well, this is how I feel and how I identify. And I need something a little more concrete than that. So I often ask questions or people in that community to help me understand it, and just asking questions gets you labeled as hostile or bigoted. When I when it couldn't be the more opposite in intent, like I'm trying to understand what it is that you think or believe or your perspective, and I would like you to help me do that. I might not agree, but I like I could at least understand how you're arriving at your conclusions. Even that is too much for for the members of that church.
0: Oh yeah, I've definitely noticed that. It's real weird, like, um, it's weird what people define as violence, like, um, <laughs> yeah. with, um, like, like I work a job where I work with, um, I help um, mentally challenge people out, like, you know, okay. doing taxes and stuff like that, and yeah. every uh, month we have to do, we have to watch these videos about, like, you know, different aspects of that, and some of them are labeled as social justice audit, okay. and I've watched some of them, and, like, there's a few of them where, like, the one that sticks out of my head there is this really large, um, it's a really fat guy, and he's saying how, you know, some people will call me fat, you know, that's that's violence, it's violence against me. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not, dude. Like, are you kidding me? Like, grow is fine. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm like, I'm a short guy, like, I'm like five foot six, and like, I'm like below the average height for men. Like, sure, that's not violence if somebody calls me short. Like, I mean, I don't care. Like, no,
1: and words whatever happened to sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never hurt me. Now, certainly there is some intersection. If you are plotting violence or inciting violence, certainly that is in an area that we probably would say, okay, to the extent that you're talking about creating violent action imminently, that's some speech that I could see. Like to me, if someone said, well, a bomb threat is violence, I'd say, okay, yeah, I, I can yeah. grant that. But if I say like, <laughs> look at that fattier, <laughs> Look at that short guy, or whatever else. I might be a dick. You're right. I might be a dick. And it might, it, the content, the, 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 whether a joke works or not is entirely context dependent. And some, what's hilarious in one setting is a total dick move in another. But this conflation, you're right, of, of words with violence is, uh, <laughs> very dangerous just for the, the well being of free speech. Uh, uh, once you grant that some words can be violence, I don't know where you stop. Is any word that is like hostile in intent violence? And then if and if so, why do we stop there? Is any word that is critical in intent violence? Is any word that is anything other than 100% praise and endorsement violence? Uh, I don't see the end to that line of thinking.
0: Yeah, then it depends on what they're praising because, like, the, something that's good one day will be um, bad the next. Like, um, yeah. I remember when I was in college, I knew a bunch of people who took, um like, a bunch of gender studies classes. And at the beginning of the year, they were telling me, you know, you can't use these words or pronouns or <laughs> stuff like that. That's a that's offensive. By uh-huh. the end of the year, those ones they were telling me that were good to use were suddenly offensive. I'm like, okay, you, you can't just change the rules without telling anybody. And you don't really get to decide that. Like I, I like I, I don't like, you should never be a dick to somebody. And if you are, you know, if people call you out on it, that's, that's great. And once you should be free while, to
1: be a dick though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And once in a while you'll see like group bullying where like a bunch of people like, get involved in that. But I see that on TV a lot. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's not going to really happen in most cases. Like where it's like, Oh, look at this person, you know, everybody call them names. It's like, has that really happened in like the last like um i mean i'm sure it's happened in like like elementary schools and middle schools once in a while yeah. like and and the, a,
1: and the reality to that is too that that a, a certain degree of it is healthy a certain degree of social pressure a certain degree of dare i say i don't bullying isn't the right word but just being like socially challenged by your peers in school not saying harassment, and certainly it goes too far a lot of the time. But we can't pretend that like kids giving each other a hard time is universally a bad thing. I know that it made me a well-adjusted person, and there were times in junior high and high school where I dreaded interaction with a certain person you know, or a certain clique, but through through learning to deal with that, you develop a thicker skin and you develop a tolerance for uncomfortable situations that will serve you better in life. And uh, whew, I, I really, I got a lot of complaints with the parenting philosophy of the participation metal culture and the you know, everyone is special and perfect in their own way, kind of the snowflake parenting culture. It's really informed. I'm not a, I'm not a parent, and I, but I hope I will be someday. Um, and uh, I don't want to be like the, the hard ass, like, you know, beat your kids with a belt kind of tat or yeah. something like that. But I do know that I want my kids to have a certain level of discomfort. I mean, I think about it even, even in terms of like your, your body or your mind, like how do you keep a fit body or mind? You want to have your, if it's your body, you want to put it in a certain level of discomfort, right? You want to push your body and work out or whatever. If you want to, increase your mental capacity. You need to make your mind a little bit uncomfortable. You need to take on new ideas or try new intellectual exercises you're not used to. That creates a fit mind. You want to be fit socially? Gotta put your toes into that uncomfortable water from time to time. It's good for kids.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely. And it's like, like I remember like when I was in um, school, you know, I got bullied sometimes. So I learned to work out and, you know, I learned some martial arts and that yeah. kind of stopped after a while. I mean, it's amazing, like how when you kind of like have when you kind of take care of yourself, a lot of that stuff just kind of goes away naturally because you kind of like feel good about yourself, so you don't kind of give off this like you know um, sheep a monk amongst a bunch of wolves kind of um, feeling. I mean, I'd yeah. say so that it, it's justified because I, I I know some people are have like varying levels of um, autism and things like that, and they can't really they have sure they have different like levels of um not being able to help it but for the most part i think that most people once you have like something that you can take pride in that isn't like you know how many movies i've watched in the last week and everything I and mean, granted I, I watch like hundreds of movies but sure. like it's um if you can like um if something like you, that you feel good about like about, like like writing something or working out i think a lot of that kind of takes care of takes care of itself and
1: I think a lot of it's
0: like, we don't teach kids to take pride in themselves. Like, um, I've seen like a lot of parents, like they'll like when their kids crying or something like that, it's like, Oh, well, here's this thing. It's like, no, like don't, don't give it to them. Like they're, they they don't need this. Like they're a bipod, which they shouldn't have anyways. Like it's like they need air they need shelter and food but they don't need, they need that ipod like i mean i've heard a lot of biology books and i've never read one that said they'll die without an ipod so yeah that'd be okay
1: it's it there's as uncomfortable as it is there is value in being told you're not good enough from time to time and i think of um like being told you're not good enough is oh man can that sting when it hits you uh, i think in in my life like i had a couple just bad breakups um you know, w- w- young women, young fillies who, uh, in whom I put, you know, my entire life's hopes and dreams and it didn't work out. And being told you're not good enough in a context like that really hits hard. But you know what it gave me an opportunity to do? It gave me an opportunity to toughen up mentally, toughen up physically, become a better guy and reach a point in my life now where I'm a lot happier for it. And I'm a lot better version of myself than I was then. Like I look back on how I used to act. And I think like, God what a puss i was i would have left me too that's a bunch that's crap uh and but you have to go through that i had to go through being told i'm not good enough to become a better version of myself i i don't know why that's so controversial but i do hope we it's all a balance you know i mean the, the, these things are on pendulums the the free speech stuff i think is on a pendulum this this snowflake parenting culture hopefully is on a pendulum hopefully we don't go too far like i said i don't I don't want to go back to like i'm just I don't know you don't want to be like a brutal parent
0: <laughs> yeah like I, I don't believe in like beating children or anything like that but you
1: know. <laughs> well what do you consider what do you consider beating like would you spank children
0: I think um based on what I've been able to read just about that I think there's like a certain age like before they um I think when it's like when they're like two like you can like kind of like SWAT them to get them to, um, because that's all they understand. You can't talk to them because they don't understand the language. But I think once they kind of understand language, it's kind of the onus is on you to kind of explain it and like enforce it. Like I think um, talking, especially like talking in a stern voice, like I see a lot of parents who are like, no, you shouldn't do that. Like, no, man up, like talk to your kid like you're their parent.
1: Oh yeah. I've seen so many kids at the grocery store, you know, some misbehaving asshole kid in the candy aisle or something. Uh, just, just shrieking or being annoying. And there's the mom like Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. What did we say about the inside voice, Timmy? You're not behaving. No, grab that kid. Tell him to shut up. Use a little force on him. Like yeah. I, I can't do anything as a pedestrian observer, but it's like, this is not going to work. You're not. It might work if, you're, if your kid was 20 and a reasonable adult. This is not a reasonable adult. Stop treating him like a reasonable adult. Ugh.
0: Exactly. It's like, that's that's one weird thing I've noticed. And this is something I've noticed in a lot of fiction. Like, a lot of writers, because I I, am, I write short stories and stuff like that and um, films, but um, a lot of them will, will, like, really over glorify childhood. And to the point where it's, like, really weird, like, I almost, I call it, like, Fetishizing childhood, where it's like everything <laughs> is magical and fun. It's like sure. you no, know, like they're little shit. Like you know, society didn't really corrupt the kid. The kid was like a corrupt little bastard, and then like we kind of, you know, hopefully in a good society, kind of civilized them. Like that's one of the things. Like um, in South Park, like I was I was listening to um to the, car- the two guys who made it like talk. They're like yeah. Kids are assholes. Like, this is how they talk. Like, hopefully society will make them better. But, like, you know, they're going to swear and they're going to, like, act like little assholes.
1: The one thing I do admire and that I think is fetish worthy about children, and i got to be careful how I phrase that because <laughs> take it out of context, it sounds terrible. But uh, the one thing I look forward to about parenthood, if I get there, is uh, the and the one great thing about children is that insatiable curiosity. And it is a shame that we kind of, that dulls as we grow older and that, that curiosity sort of tames. And, uh, it is, it is awesome to see a kid or hang out with a kid where everything is, everything is awesome. Everything is interesting. Everything is amazing. I want to know about this. I want to know about that. How does this work? How does that work? What is this? What is that? And then we get to adults and that, that fades for whatever reason. Um, And uh, man, uh, that's the one thing I, when I think about parenthood that I'm really excited is like kind of re-experiencing the world again through the eyes of a child and explaining all the wonders of the world to a child that is understanding them for the first time. That's going to be really cool.
0: Definitely. There's definitely like a lot to it, but like it's, it's real weird. There's like a weird balance that we kind of lost. I feel where, it's like we're supposed to kind of as adults guide children, like, you know, show them like what's like um what they should what's good and what's bad and kind of like, you know, be there to guide them. But then there got to be a point where people either like thought children were like the worst thing in the world. And like they just like I know people like our age that like are like, oh, I hate kids and everything. And I, I understand that sometimes like I'll be in a store and be like, damn, I, I like i'm so glad i don't have any kids yeah but, um, i hate
1: other people's kids my kid yeah. is gonna be cool
0: <laughs> but like th- then there's other people who are like oh they you know we can learn so much from the children the children like to a degree you also have to be one of the people that teaches the children and sure. i think that we've kind of like um we've kind of lost that balance of like like um adult child um relationships and i it's it's kind of weird like i don't want to like i mean i can definitely admire like the curiosity like you were saying with kids but at the same point i also like when i have kids i know like it's my goal to teach them certain things and i think it's like a responsibility thing
1: yeah yeah uh and it's uh i don't know i often think about parenting philosophy a lot i I don't know why i just I, i i end up going down that that road of thought and, uh, you know, more than anything, the person I would like to raise will be a critical thinker. Of course. Like I, I want to, I, if, if I can leave my child with nothing else, it's, it's how to think not what to think. Um, and so who knows, maybe, maybe I will raise an independent thinking social justice warrior. As long as my child arrives at social justice warriorism through independent thought and reason, uh, I will be happy. It's all we can ask for really. Yeah
0: so um yeah basically um yeah basically um what do you think is the future of like um independent media do you think that um it's going to get big bigger like um especially with technology like i was talking to somebody a while back um but independent film and how like how um filming is so much cheaper now like my i, I had a camera yeah. from way back when, and my cell phone has a much better camera on it. And I feel like things like YouTube and like things like that are getting to be much better production. So do you think that's gonna rise or do you think it's kind of g- gonna get crushed by like the uh, big corporations and all that?
1: No, I think the corporate time is up because, um, you know, like you said, the barrier to entry on this kind of stuff is is really low. Um, and and if you've got the talent, you can rise. If you got the talent and you confront, you know, A grand or two to get the stuff you need to make it happen you can do it um so and the 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 great thing about that is there are no gatekeepers of information really like there aren't these big corporate powers that be that control and filter the information that is delivered to the masses so i really do think that that independent media people on youtube or whatever platform may rise people who just make their own stuff are going to be the the trusted ones in the new media environment. But I think the trade off to that is like, because competition is so fierce um, and so easy to rise, that I, I think you've really gotta be on your game, man. Like we've seen, I mean, you've seen it not necessarily YouTube channels, um, or news channels, I mean, but you will see YouTube channels that are immensely popular one year or even one month that make a mistake, and go down the drain very quickly. So just because you're on top today doesn't mean you're on top tomorrow. So do, what I, I guess what I would foresee is like independent creators are going to be kings, but that doesn't mean that only some are, you know, like you still got to be on point. Uh, the, the, the downfall of the corporate media was they were the gatekeepers and they thought they could do kind of whatever they want and people would tune in. That's clearly not the case because a better alternative rose. Well, the better alternative to the kings of YouTube could be better, smaller YouTubers or whatever platform might exist. So the burden to still produce good stuff and be on point is still very high. And, um, and I take that very seriously because I am so thankful for what I have. And I know that I never try to be malicious. <laughs> I'll make mistakes. Never, never maliciously intended errors though, or, or misrepresentation. Because I know as soon as you do that, everything you've built can go away very, very quickly. Uh, so I, maybe it'll be kind of chaotic, you know, like a lot of rises and quick rises and falls and here today, gone tomorrow. That's kind of what I, what I see. And the only ones who will stick around are the ones who are, who have really earned it. You know, the people who have really earned trust and rarely if ever mess up and own up when they do.
0: Definitely. And I got to say, one thing I really enjoyed, enjoyed about your show is, man, you stay calm in a lot of situations. I remember um, there's some guy who's, um, I don't know if you were in New York City or somewhere, but there's this big um, oh. fat guy who's like yelling, <laughs> he's like calling you guys all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I would have been so pissed. I'm like, how oh, do I you going so calm? Like, I
1: was like, pissed. You're talking I mean, about Daryl Lamont Jenkins, who was- That was at, the guy, yeah. We <laughs> went to um the RNC last summer in Cleveland, the convention, and uh, it was rather uneventful. Until he was stalking us for hours and then I confronted him and he was uh, apparently stalking us because we're white supremacists and he's going to expose us. But yeah, no, I was really pissed. I was very, that's probably the most angry I've been in the last year is confronting him so i'm glad you thought i was calm because i was not calm
0: <laughs> you definitely stayed more composed than i think i could have like i would, I, I i don't know i was thinking that like right after i saw because it was one of the first videos of yours i saw i'm like wow i would be just like flipping out I'm like i i'm i'm impressed like that
1: guy did um like well i could tell you stories for days about that guy but I'll, i'd waste a bunch of time he is a silly character um, and I am curious about who funds him and how this happens, because what he did to us is basically his career. He follows people around and he tries to defame people and he tries to expose people, even though it's what I love is like, you're going to expose me, even though I'm a public figure who posts all this stuff publicly. What are you going to expose? What are you talking about? I'm Not hiding anything. That's why I'm out here in public with a camera, you jackass. What do you, what do you think I'm hiding? There's nothing to hide here.
0: Exactly. He's yeah. a guy who like, um, you just kind of see his stuff. And I, I started reading about this and like, this guy's going to get in jail for like, for like money laundering or something like There's that. Something saves, th- like.
1: I just, I, I can't, I'll be careful about what I say because I can't make any kind of charges against him that are substantiated. I don't have evidence. There's just something fishy. There's something fishy about how it is that he funds what he does and how it is that he's able to make a living off of this, and how it is that he's able to make enough money to feed that gigantic gut of his, and how it is that he has not died yet by virtue of that gut. This guy, man, this, there's something mysterious about him. And um, you know, I, He's welcome to talk to us. Uh, he, he, he still will tweet us or post about us from time to time. I'd be more than willing to host him, and I'd do it on fair terms. You, know, you want to have a, a discussion that's free from insults and allegations? I'll do it. But he won't. He won't talk to us.
0: Yeah, and that's like the worst part of it. It's like if somebody won't have the conversation, then like I really, it's hard to really take them seriously. Like there are some people you really can't talk to, which, but those people are like the really crazy ones, like the ones that believe in like, um, I don't know. I I even talked to a flat earther, but like, like if somebody's like an actual schizophrenic talking about like, um, time tubes and stuff like that, and that's a little much, but like, I mean, I'll, I'll smile and nod and I won't be a dick, but like on the inside, I'll be like, okay, that guy's a little scary, but like if if you won't engage in conversation, especially when you're putting allegations against somebody, I think that if you're not willing to talk to them, then you've really, there's gotta be something inside of you where you don't really believe what you're saying. And like, I have a hard time believing that you can be that confident in what you're saying and not being willing to put out there. Like, no, like I'm not, no.
1: yeah, you can't make unsubstantiated accusations. And that's one thing I try to be. It's one thing if it's for the sake of comedy, like obviously I'll, I'll cut dumb jokes in the, the material I make for, you know, but if I'm going to make a serious allegation against a person like that, like, other white supremacist, or, you know, another example, like if you're going to make an exam, uh, an allegation that someone's a sexual predator or any other type of criminal, I mean, white supremacism, white supremacist, that's not a crime. White supremacism is not a crime. So It's not quite the same, but my point is like, I do take that ethical standard very seriously. I'm not going to make serious allegations against a person unless I have really good evidence that they have done it. And even if, even if that's all you have is like maybe flimsy evidence, you still got to acknowledge it like, well, uh, I don't have a solid case, but here's some, here's a red flag or two or some smoke, you know?
0: Definitely. Now, just a few things before we end. Um, sure. Have you ever had to, um, or been in a situation on like Twitter or Facebook where you actually had to block like somebody cause they were getting kind of out of hand?
1: Oh yeah. A million times. Ah. Uh, yeah, all the—that's the short answer. I—I uh, I don't know if I have any good examples. Um, in general, I'm not a fan of blocking, but there are cases where it's necessary, and um, I try to give more than enough chances. But there are people who, um, you know, have have made it very clear they want to threaten me, or they want to threaten my family, or you know, whatever else. Um, cases like that, or cases where I'm—I'm I'm a big fan of the mute button on Twitter. Like, there are plenty of just trolls who are genuine trolls like they have they're just trying to get a reaction out of you They they don't have i will engage in opposition of course but people who just want to make you mad just go ahead and hit the mute button and the nice thing about the mute button is they don't know that you've muted them so they can tweet at you to their heart's desire and they'll never know um, like i said i try to avoid those things i try to be more open to dialogue than not but they those tools are there for a reason and i will use them when it's obviously needed but only when obviously needed.
0: Yeah, I feel like after you've, like, tried to engage with somebody rationally and it's just not working and they're, like, actually I – th- I like, there's never an excuse to threaten anybody. So I can definitely understand that. I've seen some people who are like, oh, we, you, you blocked somebody. Like, I mean, I don't love enough viewers to, to um, block anybody, but, like, I, I can definitely understand why somebody would, like – I, I always hear people where it's like a point of pride where they won't block anybody. I'm like, well, good for you, but you know, there are certain situations where it seems pretty um pretty legit. I gotta yeah. say, like, um I always I, I, I do enjoy your show with um blind because you guys are you guys are a good balance to each other, Just cuz like you'll um you'll say something like, you know, you're like looking at things kind of um like from one point of view and everything, she'd be like, man, that guy's a cock. I mean, yeah. like, that That's always hilarious.
1: Well, that's, that's the fun in it. And that's kind of why I like the, um, it's kind of to some extent, a little bit of a flip of like expected gender roles. You know, I think that, um, and, and, and I do like the balance. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I pride, I, I take pride in trying to, I certainly will pick sides in any given conflict, but I do take pride in trying to understand all sides of a conflict and then make my conclusion from there. Now, the downside to that is I am often, if I have, if that's, if there's a flaw in that, it's that I can be too cautious in making judgment calls, you know, I, I'm, I hold off from judgment calls when maybe I should make a judgment call. Blonde on the other hand is quicker to do that. Now the flaw is sometimes you might be too quick to make a judgment call. Um, and that's kind of why I like it. It's exactly. And and the I like the flip in the gender roles, too. I like the fact that she's kind of a little bit more blunt, a little bit more abrasive. I tend to try to be a little softer. Um, and that's not necessarily what you, what you expect in a female-male relationship, I guess. But, yeah, man, um, even, even our show with her was kind of by accident. We're coming up on a year now. This Sunday is going to be one year we've been doing the podcast because it was from may whatever. This is episode 52 this Sunday. So 52 weeks. Um and Congratulations. Uh, yeah, really really excited for it. Thank you. And um we just did an offhand stream around this time last year and uh we didn't really I we barely even knew who each other were. We she wanted to stream so I said sure we did a stream sort of like what you are you and I are doing right now. And it was at the time fairly well received so eh, well I, I wanted I wanna do a podcast. I'm just looking for the right person and I need I knew I, I, I knew I wanted a female co-host because I just like that dynamic. But you gotta have somebody who's you gotta have somebody who's the right perspective, which she was, like somebody who's different enough from me that there's kind of some back and forth and some fun banter, but that we agree on enough that it's not a fight all the time. That's hard to find. And then the other thing that's even harder to find is you gotta have you gotta have someone, as I'm sure you you might know with your co-host, you gotta have somebody who's basically 100 percent reliable, somebody who is as committed to it as you are. You can't have somebody who's like, oh, well, you know, I, I I got this that or the other thing, and I won't be doing it tonight. Oh well, great. The podcast doesn't work that way. And she's been yeah. exceptionally reliable, and uh, so it's really worked out. I um, as long as we don't get banned off YouTube or. You know, as long as the ad the ad boycott doesn't kill us, um, I don't see any stop to the show, and I know we're both enjoying it a lot.
0: Definitely, i will keep definitely keep listening. Um, yeah, kind of like a, like the, um, the balance with the like with my co-host. Like he's very um, eccentric with his reviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess like I've been told by people I come off as sounding like a stoner and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, oh, okay. I mean, like. I, I've got it's weird. I've gotten that since I was like twelve. People are like, are you doing drugs? I'm like, well, think I am. Like,
1: I didn't. But, I didn't get that impression. But I don't. Yeah. I'm not a. I'm not a smoker myself, and um, most of my friends aren't either. Yeah. I, I got nothing against weed.
0: Anyway. Yeah, I'm all for like legalizing it. I just won't really partake in it. Like, um, my wife pointed out to me one day. Like, apparently, she's like, you have thick eye, I eyel- like um, like, eyel- um, lashes. No, not eyelashes. Yeah. Like eyelids, and like. Wait, i have thick eyelids thick like, eyelids
1: like, like the skin is thick
0: Yeah, it's like apparently and like it makes my eyes look like um like
1: puffy like' or um, something?
0: puffier and everything She okay. like she goes, yeah I think that's why everyone thinks you smoke like pot all the time like <laughs> well that answers like a like a 15 year old question cool okay. like it's <laughs> a very odd thing but yeah, yeah it's fun when you have like somebody kind of balances out like I think yeah. my favorite thing was when you guys were talking about the stuff and um in um, Europe, especially with Sweden and Germany and, um, yeah, she's so very like passionate pro- on that stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's hilarious. She's like, yeah, they're cut, they're, they're screwed. And I'm like, i like, I just thought that
1: was hilarious. She well, yeah, she's very passionate about that. And I've, I've never been to Europe. So my perspective on it is fairly limited. And she just did another trip to Europe. She's been several times where she just did another one this spring and she's seen, you know, uh, what the influx of, of Muslim migration is doing to Germany and Sweden and other places. And, um, yeah she's she uh I mean, that's the trouble is like if he she's very passionate in her opposition to that. And people look at that and they think, you know you were talking about the allegations of white supremacism and stuff earlier. People just jump to the jump to the race conclusion. And um, the reality is that, like the the problem in Europe and it, it, this is really a clash of cultures and a clash of values. And that's really what she's getting at. I mean, what you're talking about is importing, a bunch of people from a culture that has values that are not only different from europe and the west but in oftentimes directly opposed and so you have conflict that results in crime committed against people but destruction of really old really beautiful property um all across europe i mean i i'm an appreciator of history and our our history here in this country is relatively young it's a lot of the stuff in europe is is so so old and so classic you know and it um it uh, it it really bugs her to see a lot of that stuff in decay, uh, or or threatened, or at risk, and so I, I definitely understand uh, where she's coming from, and I think a lot of people do, and I think it's very reactionary and simple to be like, oh, you just you're, you're racist, you don't want other other colors coming into Europe. Uh, no, that's that's not quite accurate.
0: It's a way of like trying to put. Um basically not make an argument, it's just put yourself in a like morally superior to someone else. And I, I can't stand that. It's like back in the day, yeah. it was like, oh, I go to church more than you, or like I'm holier than you. And now that it's was like the
1: original virtue signal. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Didn't see a church this Sunday, a sinner. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you were in the backseat of the um church. Oh. Yeah. 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 Well, Last thing I just wanted to mention was um, so I know that you are a big enthusiast of Bigfoot. Yeah, I am. Um, I love conspiracy theories like that. I mean, I hope it's not a conspiracy. I I personally hope Bigfoot is is exists, and I hope he will help us in our war against whatever we'll be at war at during that year. But. <laughs> I was at a convention um, a few years ago promoting the podcast, well, actually a few months ago promoting the podcast, and I bought a movie called Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper. And okay. I had to buy it because it's like, I mean, it's Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper. No, Well, the name,
1: okay, so D.B. Cooper, what is he, a serial killer? I'm trying and, to remember. The name is familiar, but I can't remember what he did.
0: D.B. Cooper is a guy who he, he, he hijacked a... Um, a oh, plane yeah. and then jumped off and yeah. stole like tons of money and they <laughs> and never they, caught him
1: right my dad told me about this
0: yeah it's the most insane yeah. thing like i personally believe that um do you know who tommy was so is no he made this terrible movie called the room if you ever get the chance like you have to watch it because it's one of the uh, i'm the,
1: I'm the <laughs> worst movie watcher ever dude like i i've any movie you can name 99 percent chance i haven't seen it I, I'm the worst. I won't know your references. <laughs> I, just, I yeah, I, I'm out of my league in that department.
0: And so again, we put we talk about all these obscure movies on like our show. So maybe you ever, ever find one interesting. We've probably talked about it, but um, yeah. Um, so I decided
1: well, well, I'm thinking about it. Um, have you ever seen every once in a while, I'll watch weird movies that people tell me to watch. The last really weird one I watched, it's kind of a cult classic, I guess, was um, Sleepaway Camp. You ever watched that?
0: I, I actually haven't. Everyone I know tells me about that. Okay, nip. watch
1: Sleepaway Camp. It's it's garbage. It's a garbage movie. Maybe it was good in its time. It's old. It's from like the eighties. To me, it's a garbage movie. But it's got a hell of a twist at the end. That's all I can say without um without spoiling. And um, without spoiling, it is a twist of cultural significance that I don't think you could get away with today. Let's put it that way. I think um the SJWs would 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 uh, would riot uh, if it were done today
0: sounds like my kind of movie
1: yeah it's on youtube too in full you can watch it for free
0: nice yeah the bad thing about um dv cooper uh, bigfoot versus versus DB cooper was it's made by a director named david dakota and i didn't know this beforehand but he's well known for making um films that are targeted toward um gay men so 99 okay. percent of this movie is shirtless men running or showering and there's two scenes of bigfoot and one scene of db cooper and i'm like wow i spent five dollars on this
1: what do they like fight like what's the point of the movie D. no cooper it's just
0: it's oh they fight at the very end of it like it's the most awkward thing like db cooper just kind They're of
1: both up- hiding Cooper-ish. in the woods that's what's going on or what
0: there's like two off scenes uh off screen scenes of db cooper killing two of these shirtless men and then DV Cooper jumps off the plane and everything and it lands in the woods. And he and Bigfoot just kind of fight for literally 20 seconds and the movie ends. How long it, is the movie? It's like two hours long. And what the hell fr- happens before that?
1: What sort of setup is there?
0: There's just, it's a weird, it's a weird um, fraternity of just shirtless guys. Like apparently this guy. For two guy, hours? Oh Yeah. <laughs> this guy makes, like, all these movies, like, about mummies and Bigfoot and, like, monsters. Uh-huh. And it's all just shirtless men, like, apparently specifically catered to women and gay men. And I really wish okay. I had known that before I bought it. But, yeah. <laughs> all was, right. I guess, there's a I guess there's a type of film for everybody. But, yeah, not what I was expecting. Yeah, i would
1: probably avoid that one, even as yeah. much as I like Bigfoot.
0: There are some good Bigfoot um, logos. I've
1: seen go. some. Um, some, re- some ones I've, well, one I've seen recently was um, Willow Creek. you
0: seen that one? I have, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good movie. I like that one. Um, have you seen the movie Exists?
0: I haven't seen that one. But that that's a Bigfoot movie
1: that is, um, well, let's put it this way. With, I guess it's fine if I spoil, you know, whatever. The great thing about Willow Creek is Bigfoot is never really seen. He's scary because he's never really seen. Generally, there's like a quick... You don't really see him at all. Um, Exist is quite the opposite, where you just see way too much of Bigfoot, and it's pretty poorly done, so he loses his scary factor. Like, he kind of looks like a... Um, you've seen, like, the classic Ninja Turtles movies, right? Where the oh, yeah. turtles were actual costumes. He's kind of like the Bigfoot equivalent of those. But in 2015, or whenever the movie was made, 14, maybe, something like that. that sounds- it's pretty bad. It's a classic kind of movie where like, hey, these teens are going to this cabin for the weekend to engage in alcohol and sexual debauchery. But Bigfoot, but but in the process, they hit like a, a Bigfoot child while driving up there. And then so Bigfoot takes revenge upon them and like destroys their home and kills them all.
0: You know, I think I did see that, like, at least part of it, but I um, didn't it's know what it was called. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's called Exists, for anyone listening, if you want to look it up. Uh, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. If you want to watch a good one, Willow Creek is the choice.
0: I'll definitely have to check that out. But, yeah, um, if I come up with any more um, Bigfoot movies, I will definitely let you know on that one. because Yeah, there aren't a
1: lot. It's not that common. There aren't a lot of... There aren't a lot of Bigfoot movies. Um, one that's a, kind of a quasi movie. It's more of it, it or I wouldn't call it a documentary because it's a little bit loose with the truth too. But the one there's um there, there was a whole Discovery special on the uh is called the Russian Yeti, and it's on the Dyatlov Pass incident from the 1950s, in which a bunch of Russian college students went into the Ural Mountains and um they were killed in very in very under very mysterious circumstances there's a lot of theories of and to this day it's not known what happened to them but recently in a few within like the last decade or so a lot of the documents that were recovered from the recovery of those students uh were declassified by the russian government so we could view them and some of the photos one photo on their camera in particular is very frightening uh and is very bigfoot looking in kind of the patterson gimlin the classic bigfoot kind of way but it's in the snow it's in the snow so he looks like a crazy snowman but the way they died was insane like they were all in their tent and they cut their tent from the inside and and like ran out of it but they all ran out in the middle of a crazy you know snow mountain place very cold uh, they all ran out in their underwear and they were killed in secession by like blunt trauma Wow. Um, And one of them had her tongue plucked out. Um, So, and then they were, this is what's weird about the circumstances of their death is they were killed by something that was both very strong and very precise. There's a lot of theories about like, did these natives that existed there kill them? But that doesn't really make sense because their, their bodies weren't robbed. Um, Like there was jewelry and stuff that was still on them. There's a lot of theories about military testing in the area that might have made them go crazy and kill each other or something. And then of course there's the Bigfoot theory and that's what the discovery special explores. And that's why it's called the Russian Yeti. I'm pretty sure you can still watch it, but it scared me. And I like Bigfoot a lot. It's scary. Like it's, it's freaky stuff. Um, so that's another good one to check out, even though it's not really a movie per se, but it's an interesting story that to the extent the kids disappeared and died, that's true. And, that's even interesting to think about beyond the the kooky bigfoot theory of how
0: they died definitely there's actually the only other bigfoot movie i can think of is um it's a short film i I think it was on youtube for a while i think it still is it's called um catching flies it was funded by kevin smith and it stars um jason lee and um uh, Jason uses in it, but um, it's basically Jason Lee's character goes insane and okay. he takes all his friends out into the middle of the woods saying that he's, you know, he's got an uncle with a cabin out there, but it's really so he can find like um, this tribe of Bigfoot and it's, <laughs> it's really weird, but it's really well acted. Like I, I like Jason Lee as an actor, but he was really good. as like this crazy guy. Like it was, it, it's definitely worth a watch to say the least.
1: Huh. All right. Well, I'll check it out. Yeah. Someday, maybe. Like I said, I'm a terrible
0: movie watcher. (laughs) Yeah, I can respect that. Like, if I wasn't reviewing movies, I probably wouldn't watch nearly as many as I do. But, like, all right. Well, thanks again for joining. It's been a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I'll um, check out your show next time it's on. And, um, yeah, um, thanks again for coming.
1: Sounds good. I appreciate you having me. Definitely. Good luck with the movies and with the podcast.
0: Thank you.